mystery and horror, the air itself is filled with monsters. Children of the night, what music they make. Well, hello, all you monster fiends, and thank you for joining us for another deep dive, factoid-filled episode exploring Hollywood's most famous monsters. I am your mistress of ceremonies, Sam, and I am joined, as always, by Dan from Bleeding Marvelous. Say hello, Dan. Hello, Dan. Oh, hello. Kitty. Hello, Governor. Hey. <laughs> Last one of the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. This is our last one of the year, the last yep. one of 2023. Episode 28. 28. We're ending, we're ending on 28. We are. But we're not officially like ending, ending. We are coming no. back. Yeah. But we're ending 2023 on 28. That is pretty impressive, mind. That is over six months worth of episodes. Well, wow. We're over half a year's worth of episodes. That is crazy. It and is. it's starting to get to the point now where I can't remember half the ones that we've done. <laughs> <laughs> there's some monsters and then there's us talking about stuff and going on a tangent. I've recapped the past ones. <laughs> I think we talked about ourselves at one point. <laughs> uh, there was one episode of that, yeah, which yeah. I, I still am pretty sure was just us talking about things and then going off on tangents. So, again, summed up every episode we've ever recorded. Hey, if you're not having a tangent... Idiot a monster episode. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> oh. Well, this one is come as a bit of a surprise because the lady sat next to me, depending on where you are, or the lady you can hear, depending if you're on audio, isn't a big fan of Christmas. She ain't a big fan of Christmas. But I said, when we end the year i would like to end on a festive movie a festive horror movie because you know we're coming into the festive season let's end it on festive and she went no problem as long as we do black christmas <laughs> and i was like okay that's fine but i thought you hated christmas i'm glad you chose this very glad because i'd never seen it i have never seen this movie up until Tuesday where I've seen the ending twice in my sleep and once in reality because <laughs> I kept falling asleep during it. Um, not because the movie was shit, I was just incredibly tired. It's a banger of a film. Mm -hmm. So without further ado, I'm going to do the disclaimer and we're going to get into it. So everything discussed in today's episode is our opinions and our opinions alone. If you'd like to discuss anything from today's episode, please come and join us in the Facebook group, the Discord page, or the comment section where we can have an open discussion. But what we won't have is anyone coming for us and telling us our opinions are wrong, because we can all agree to disagree in fandom. So let's keep it fun, keep it kind, and keep the toxic behaviour out of nerdism. Don't be a dick. There you go. And she sang it too. I know. We are we are slightly more awake than what we were this time last week. No comment. <laughs> looking good, my Mrs. Bell hair <laughs> no and the nails. Oh. They're looking so good. This is called what um 
I would say some sleep, but to be honest with you, I haven't had much sleep since the last one because we had Telford at the weekend. Oh my so. God, that's right. <laughs> my first actual lay-in will come on Saturday. So, um, But that is it. That's your convention season done for the year. It is. And this is your last episode of the podcast done for the year. Which means that dreaded C word is upon us. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, she's not talking about the C next Tuesday one. Anyways, so... Black Christmas, mm-hmm. the 1974 and 2006 festive slash classic, and but not the 2019 reboot. No, no. Yeah. This was the movie that started the greatest genre in horror. Take that into account, the greatest genre in horror. And if your skin doesn't crawl, it's on too tight. Right. As we bring you Black Christmas. That's a hell of a tagline, isn't it? Isn't it? I was looking at them and I was like, oh, that is just, it was the first, there was a couple and it was like, you know, something about Christmas and it's coming tonight and it's going to get you. And then it was like, his skin's on too tight. Get in. (laughs) (laughs) They even put out a poster with it on and everything uh, for the release. And it was just like people were like icked out by that. And it was like, yeah, you've done your job well. I like it. You've done it really well. Well, We're going to start with the 1974 one first. It's it's not just that it's fresh in my mind. I mean, they're both fresh in my mind because I both watched them on Tuesday. I think this one had more of an impact on us. Right. Um, I think the 2016, 2016, 20, I'm so used to seeing the six. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> the 2006 one, I thoroughly enjoyed for very different reasons. Yeah. But this, this one is kind of like imprinted on us. Um, That's why I like them both. Whilst mm-hmm. I know that they are in essence the same movie. Yeah. To me, they're incredibly different films at the same time, but they both work. I, I Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, If anyone on YouTube sees my face do this and lights up, it's because I've done a lot of reading. I just haven't done a lot of writing. So it's all here. You had an idea. That's what it is. It's the light bulb going. (laughs) Little ding. Ping. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to remark firstly on what hit me when this movie started. The cast. Hey, the cast. Holy shit moment of is that Lois Lane staring right <laughs> at me right now yep and there was one character in particular I know um the main character um Olivia Hussey Olivia Hussey instant as soon as her face is so iconic with Romeo and Juliet I could picture her straight away I didn't even have to google it I knew exactly who I was looking at yeah um but there was one face in particular who I was, I could not, uh, for the life of us, I could not pinpoint it. And then it hit me like a fucking ton of bricks. My big fat Greek wedding. Phyllis. 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 Phyllis, who was so fucking ahead of her time. Did anyone notice the glasses? Mm hmm. Them hexagon glasses, which are incredibly stylish right now, or were stylish a couple of months ago. She looked fucking incredible, but all I could think of was bubopsy. <laughs> <laughs> you hunk, I make you a sandwich. Um, I, Where's the Wendelene? Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, she not only goes and plays in this one, she is actually in the 2006 one as well, but we will get to that because yes. she wasn't meant to be. Um, but yes, the cast in this one was fantastic. Um, Olivia Hussey was amazing. Like, like the accent shouldn't work for that it type does. of movie. Yeah. But it really does. Um, if no one knows about Black Christmas, it is, like I said in my opening, it's the the movie that started the slasher genre. Yeah. You don't have Halloween. No, you do not. You do not have Halloween yeah. without this movie. And when I was doing my reading, I was kind of, I still get chills just thinking about the impact of this yeah. film because it is, it's not just a slasher. It's psychological. And this is why it's imprinted on us and stayed with us because of the psychology in it. Yeah. Then phone calls are fucking creep. They're not, they're not just fucking dirty phone calls. No, no. The thing about this and the hardest thing for anybody to, to grasp that um, has seen this film, it came out in 1974, as we know, 1974 was the same year as the exorcist. And I want to say the first Texas chainsaw. So it is, it's, you know, we're in the we're in the dawning of horror. Mm-hmm. You know, these great big gore fests. And the one thing about Black Christmas was there was hardly any gore. They no. you never see a kill completely. You no. only see the illusion of mm-hmm. the kill because Bob Clark, who directed it, who's also incredibly famous for another film, it's also a Christmas film. Uh, it's called A Christmas Story. Now a lot of people know it. I've never seen it because it's a Christmas film and I won't, but um, a lot of people know it from the leg lamp and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, he's that's what Bob Clark's famous for. 1983 mm-hmm. is a Christmas story. However, he did this nearly nine years prior. Um, nice. He never wanted to do horror. It wasn't something in his wheelhouse when John Carpenter actually approached him and said, right, where are you going with the second one? He went, I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not doing a second one. And he was like... <laughs> well, would you like to hear my treatment, John Carpenter said to him. You know, I, I've got an idea for the second one. And he was like, okay, what, what, you know, what's your pitch? And this was before John had obviously done Halloween in 1978. Yeah. So there's a four-year gap of when John made friends with Bob. Uh, John pitched him a story where Billy comes back um, and starts another campaign of terror mm-hmm. at Halloween. Oh, oh! He really took inspiration from this. Yeah, even the the point of view um, rig that. Yes. At, at the very beginning of the nineteen seventy four one, you'll see something that's quite. It was one of the first times it was used in a movie. The cameraman worked out a way of attaching. Now, in the seventies, you got to remember it's not a GoPro. These things no. are like they're and huge. He, he managed to find a way to mount a camera on him so you can see his hands moving. Um, you see a point of view shot, which is something we're quite akin to used to now, but at the time it yeah. wasn't ever done. And um, John made it very clear that he stole the idea for the beginning of Halloween, where you see Michael looking yeah. in the window and all that, um, because he wanted to make it a homage to Bob Clark and to Black Christmas. So, how how unusual is it to talk about 
the movie that started the not just the slasher genre but also inspires John Carpenter because we're always talking about the movie after Halloween that was inspired by Halloween and not the other way around. I absolutely honestly it gave me chills when I was reading about it. Yeah. It's it's one of those things that it is such a lesser known film. Unless you're someone who stumbled upon maybe the second one and then you thought, mm-hmm. oh, I know this is this is a reboot or something, you know, like yeah. and then you start doing your homework and you start looking into it. But yeah, it's uh it's it's a hell of a a hell of a movie to to put yourself through because it's when they wrote the original um like the script idea treatment whatever anyone mm-hmm. calls it for this movie it was something along the lines of called the babysitter or something it, like that it was called it was called hang on stop me but it is inspired the whole story is inspired by the urban legend that yes. is the babysitter and the man under the stairs but it was called stop me because <laughs> that was the thing it was basically um yeah it was based on the uh, urban legend you know the where there's the calls coming from inside the house you know um the babysitter finds the kids killed in the urban legend in their beds but the door hasn't been opened and you can't figure out how she couldn't figure out how they died and all that and then it turns out that the killer was in the house all along um there is another movie that is very sim- that has that uses that same urban legend. It's a Carol Kane movie. Yeah. Um, when a stranger calls. No, that's yes, it. Is that it is. It? Yeah, me and Anth watched it as part of our um, let's fill in the gaps of these iconic hor- like uh, horrors that we've not seen, and that was one of them. And it's obviously so very very different, but has the same kind of they were in the house the whole time kind of well, feel. That's, that's where the iconic line the calls coming from inside the house comes from a stranger calls <laughs> and then they borrowed it in this film so mm-hmm. you you uh i think it's one of the dopey policemen um oh my god that asshole <laughs> absolute shite of a job man i mean christ alive he would have been fired if he worked for me <laughs> like, if if it wasn't for the one policeman who actually took shit seriously, the men in this movie could oh. go and jump in the fucking bin. Let's think, right, 1974, and they open the story with a woman wanting to get an abortion. Yeah. 1974. Yeah. So this isn't a conversation that was had. It yeah. wasn't a subject matter that was discussed out in the open. It was a... Something that was classed as a, a, a keep quiet, shameful secret or oh, yeah. a taboo subject to the point of where we, if it happens, no one talks about it. It never mm-hmm. happened, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But to be so blase and open, like she wanted a career, she wanted a life and it didn't include him and it didn't include a baby. Now, by today's standards, all us women go, good on her. Or yeah, if that's what she wanted, you know, her choice, lovely. But he, he... Wow, the gaslighting coming Oof. from that fucking man. If you struck a match, it would have went up in flames. I was livid at the way he... But I loved it. I love the conversation because she is very matter-of-fact. She is very much, um, I'm. this is what I'm going to do yeah. and that fuck you. But this you've got to remember, the 70s, this is the height of feminism. 
this is the bar, bra burning. Yeah. This is women starting to fucking stand on their own two feet. And what I love about the director and the writer is that he is not creating women who are fucking damsels in distress. <laughs> he created without very with very little effort these strong independent women. I think when he looked at the cast, well, the idea he had for each one of the, the characters, it was based mainly on sorority life. Now, as yeah. a Brit, I have got no idea. We, yeah, we. this is not our, for our American listeners, we don't do this. No, sororities are a, a, an anomaly to me because it's like, the best way we see them is like a legal kind of cult that you belong to for your entire life, but mm. it's not dangerous and you're not going to kill anyone unless you're in a horror movie. Um, <laughs> but they, they're they a strange concept, you know, um, but it is a family away from your family. So I un- I understand that much. Um, yeah, they have but, a house mother. and Yeah, um, but what they had done is they'd taken the stereotypical male characters like the drunk promiscuous one mm-hmm. uh then there was like the two goody two shoes one then there was the worry one and then you know you had your like if you ever watched like porkies or any of those movies you had your stereotypical sorority characters and he'd oh. taken those but flipped them into females so animal house just take animal house and flip <laughs> it into rub woman and there you go yeah so that's what i liked about it Oh, I loved, I loved the women that he wrote in this without even effort. These women, you're like, um, what's Lewis Lane's real name? Margot Kidder. Margot Kidder. How the fuck did I forget that? Um, she is incredibly almost mannish in mm-hmm. her for the time of when the movie like is set, she is very ballsy. She mm-hmm. knows exactly who she is. Um, I did not think I would ever hear Lois Lane swear like that. Um, I love the fact that in real life, when she is drunk, she is drunk. She could not do the scenes. She couldn't act drunk. So she thought, fuck it. Let's get drunk. And she did. Um, Before we start dipping in and out of the movie of, you know, giving off our factoids, maybe we should give a bit of a what the movie's about. For anyone who's not seen it. Yeah. I was just thinking we were like kind of dipping right into it. And it's like this. I'm not, I'm not saying because I've only watched it that no one's going to have seen it. Because I know (laughs) that's not the fucking case. But for the people who haven't. (laughs) For the people who haven't, it's basically a sorority house um, that starts to receive strange phone calls. Um, and the gist of it is they find out eventually that now I don't know if it's alluded to in this one as much as it is in the There's 2006 one. There's a lot more detail one. in the 2006 one. But basically, Billy used to live in this house. Billy is, in the second one, he's escaped from a mental health mm-hmm. facility. But I don't know if they say that in this one. I can't remember. There's not a lot given. No, um, but all we know is that Billy lives in the loft. He lives in the attic um, and he sneaks around the house, um, <laughs> basically killing off women as he goes. Um, and 
making phone calls. I mean, that sounds very strange, but it, it, it makes sense in the grand scheme of things. So in, when we go into the 2006 one, I'll talk a bit more about the backstory of Billy and everything, but yeah. you don't get that in the first There's, one. So. No, you, you're kind of thrown straight into it. You're kind of thrown into sorority life, sorority party that's going on, a phone call that takes place. They all know exactly it's the it's the guy, it's the one who's been giving us dodgy calls. And it's kind of just a bit of a blase, put the phone down, we're not interested. Yeah. It then escalates and it escalates with the first victim who fuck my life um she is she she's quite meek i can't remember what her name is even though it said fucking 50 billion times throughout the whole thing because she essentially is going away she has a bit of a bad word with um margot margot kitty kidder's character Mm-hmm. and she's about to leave to go home for the holidays and it kind of ends a bit sour to where everyone thinks she's in a bit of a mood so they don't bother her oh little do they know that she's been fucking suffocated by a carrier bag um and left in her room with her whole bag he doesn't even attempt to hide anything her mm-hmm. whole belongings are all as exactly as they were and the poor girl is carted off to the loft and stuck in a rocking chair. I hate that closing scene, by the way. <laughs> I have never felt so fucking chill, like chilled, especially now that I can see the poster properly. Yeah. Oh, hey. <laughs> um, what I loved, and this sounds so morbid, but the death, when you see her just sitting there and she's just rocking. And her eyes are wide open. And I'm like, fuck yes. Because they would be. They would stay wide open. Um, And her mouth obviously wide open. And you can see the fact that she's sucked in the bag and her jaw is kind of, like, her cheeks have kind of collapsed slightly. Because that's what would happen. Do you know what they did? She was actually an ex-Olympic swimmer. Right. Uh, so what they they did was they managed to cut small holes in the mouth and in the nostrils, so mm-hmm. that when they were sucked in, the fabric, uh, the plastic still looked like it would, was blocking, but mm-hmm. she had pinholes. And because she was used to shallow breathing through her nose due to doing yeah. all the, the swimming, um, she she pulled that off massively, really well. So it yeah. worked. That mm-hmm. scene worked. So the whole the actual take out Billy. Yeah, but the main kind of story is looking for her. Mm-hmm. I because think her... her name was Chrissy or Chris. Was it Chrissy? Yeah. Something along those lines. Christy, Chrissy, something. But yeah. her dad comes to get her because she's not yeah. showed up, and it turns into a bit of an investigation. A bit of a um, they go on a trail like a hunt for her kind of thing. Like yeah. search parties are created, and that's when the police um are notified that there's funny calls coming into the house. Holy shit, how elaborate is that phone tapping system? My God. All the 70s of it all. That poor guy had to have been. So what they did was is they tapped the phone, which is connected to the police station. So as soon as, if when the phone rings, it will ring at the house, it'll ring at the police station, the police will know to pick it up. But there has to be, in order for them to track it, a guy at the telecom system who will then go and look for the line. He has to be there all the fucking time. He can't leave. 
That yeah. is one hell of a fucking system. Yeah, my mum used to be a telephonist back in the day, so it, she was the one that put you through by pulling the cord out and putting the cord into the next hole. Mm-hmm. Like, please hold, please hold. So she'd sit there on a board and just do this. What in a like, fucking job. Yeah. In the Didn't have to talk 70s. to anyone and just get in. I'd do that. <laughs> so, yeah, that was it. Yeah, so. I love the fact that he that all he had to do that's he just had to steer there. But, but the I progression lo- it was the progression of the, the the just the incoherent babble and the craziness the level of craziness that come through those phone calls after every kill. It was like they got it more intense. Yeah, it evolved. What the, it started off before any killings happened was just kind of like that was that that breathing heavy breathing down the phone to then it started now this is where i get very confused because there are so many multiple voices in that phone call yeah now i know because i did some reading that when the girls picked the phone up all they heard was the director giving them instructions on how to react yeah they can't hear what is actually happening down the phone to what we would hear. Yeah. So their reaction is to a director, not what they can hear. Bear that in mind. They don't react to how I would react if that was going on <laughs> down my phone. Yeah. The they are so fucking blase about it. They Well, they, yeah. Um, the beautiful thing about this is they wanted to create a character that you were afraid of, but you never saw in the original one. I think the most you see is shadowy outlines yeah, and eyeball mm-hmm. and the, and you hear the voice. So they wanted to give the voice this horrible sound. So the person who did the voice did it, recorded all the, the lines while standing on their head. Oh, because, fucking amazing. Because the, the larynx then collapses mm-hmm. um, and it gives that weird... <laughs> Chunky, like noise that they wanted to give Billy, Agnes, the mother, and the father, which is the four people that feature in most of the calls in one way or another. So it's just Billy acting out all these different characters from his life. All of the trauma that poor Billy, I mean, I say poor Billy in the loosest sense possible, yeah. has gone through, which when you get in the 2006 one, really fucking annoyed us. On the parents' behalf. But I'll get into that in a bit. Um, But yeah, he goes through, he's like recapping all this trauma and the voices are changing. And these girls are not reacting in the way that they should be to what is actually happening on the phone. And But I don't know because if I read that while I was watching it, would I have picked up on it if I hadn't read it? Yeah. But we never fucking know. No, it's very true. We will never know. But I, um, what was I going to say? I did read somewhere about Olivia Hussey and why she did this movie. That's yeah, ridiculous, but yeah. In all honesty, it's probably something I would do. Um, She went to a psychic. She and she went to a psychic and the psychic told her to do it and she did. <laughs> but it worked for her because I think she, it, it opened her eyes to a new genre it, it gave her a different um it's something she'd never view. done before she played juliet like the virginal virgin of all virgins mm-hmm. and 
until she met Romeo, obviously. But like, Mm. she was always a very innocent. Yes, and I think this just gave her a slightly different edge because she was a bit more grown up in this. I think so. Yeah, worked in her favour. Oh, absolutely. Um, two big major stars who turned down roles for this movie. One of them being her amazing and fucking hilarious Gilda Radner. Yeah. Um, I have such a thing for I Gilda Radner's comedy is not something I would personally find hilarious. Like, but there's something about her that I find right. so endearing, and I kind of like her. It's like me. If people know if people know me personally, they know I have a huge fascination with um Selena Quinceanera. Um there is no fucking rhyme or reason for it whatsoever. I would never have listened to her music. I she would never have crossed my path if she didn't die the way that she did. I was did. gonna say, was it the true crime thing about Selena? You know, the the Potentially, fan club owner. But I go down fucking rabbit holes. Like I know more than what I should. When it comes to <laughs> that woman, I even have a Selena T. I have a Selena T-shirt, which are very fucking rare, and I have a Selena coloring book. Yeah, it's a true story. But the same fascination I have with her, I have with Gilda Radner. Right, and I don't. There's no reason for it. Like in my world, she wouldn't fit into it under any other circumstances, other than the fact that she died quite young. I mean, That's she like, was SNL, wasn't she? That's she where she was, was settled she, into. She so. was Gene Jean, Jean Wilder's wife. Yeah. Um, even though she was a fucking star in herself, she did not need to have the title Gene Wilder's wife attached to her in the fucking slightest. Um, the most heartbreaking, heartbreaking piece of television that you will probably never, ever see is Steve Martin having to announce to the SNL world on live television that Gilda Radner passed away. It is. I don't think I've seen that, but yeah, I imagine It's that very, very hard to find. And this is Steve Martin breaking. It is heartbreaking. But Gilda was meant to be in this movie and at the very last second turned it down. I think it might have had a bad... I don't think it would have lost any of what it had, but I think she could have just brought a little... A little something extra. Yeah. I heard that it conflicted with her schedule for Literally the, the last minute. Yeah, so. God damn you, Lorne Michaels. Um, <laughs> the other big name. Now, I this, mean, this is a fucking huge name. This is the name of all fucking names. Fucking Betty Davis. Could you imagine? Literally no. as the house mother. That's who she was going to be cast yes. as. Don't get me wrong. Fucking loved the house mother. I wanted that woman in my life more than anything. She was so supportive. She was her girls were like she she amped them up. I just loved her. But Betty Davis. And do you know what would do you know what came to my head as soon as I heard it? it was fucking whatever happened to Baby Jane? Stand for your din dens. She makes a good sassy drunk as well, which I thought would be good considering the house mother snuck like booze at every opportunity in this one. I just wanted to see her. I would just love to have seen her at some point just go, you are. <laughs> Where's the wire coat hangers? It... Wrong movie. Wrong movie. Wrong movie. 
That's Mummy Dearest. Yes, it is. That's Mummy a horror dearest. film in itself. Um, oh, confusion. <laughs> confusion. Call me confusion. Ha- have you ever seen What Happened to Baby Jane? I have, yeah. Yeah, The in the, the wheelchair. and the, Yeah, I've seen it. It is fucking hilarious. Me and my sister watched it, and I swear to God, we were just pissing ourselves laughing. It didn't help that All Stars Season 2 did whatever happened to Baby JJ, and yeah. <laughs> every iconic line we heard Alaska in our head. You are. <laughs> it's, it's been a long time since I've seen that film. Oh, I think I had I... to watch it at college. So we're going back 20-odd years, so it's been a, been a while. It's been a while. Um, I <laughs> I um, listened to a podcast called You Must Remember This, and they did Six Degrees of Joan Crawford. And one of the episodes was... Sorry, my cats are trying to get in. One of the episodes was Betty, the feud between her and Betty Davis. And it's very much Hollywood fabricated bullshit. Oh, yeah. They both admit to that, and they all both... But they both played along with it as well because they said it, it worked for them, so... These women needed their names to still be relevant. Yeah. But, so they knew um, how to play it. Yeah. And when it came down to the whole Mummy Dearest thing, Betty Davis said, fucking liar. <laughs> um, but they they talk about Baby Jane and the, the, these two did not see it as a horror movie at all. It was just two people that really disliked each other in the movie. It was, it was one person who really disliked the other person and the other person... Because John Crawford, I, I always see John Crawford as a bit of a um, kind of bullyish lady. Like she's yeah. very, very tall, very strong. Mm-hmm. To see her in the wheelchair and be like, "Oh no, Jane, what are you doing?" Like, no, that wasn't that wasn't John Crawford. Even though it's good. Anyways, tangents again. <laughs> but Betty Davis for me will yes. always be. She's up there for me with Joan Crawford with Mae West. Betty Davis, she, Catherine Hepburn, it's the iconic fuck you male break the patriarchy, but in a non-radical feminist way. I mean, it must have been classed as radical feminism back then, but not as we know it now. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was a a finger up and and it was like, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to wear trousers, get in the bin, you know, which... Oh, absolutely, because... Women had a, a standard, and these women do not fit that standard, especially Betty Davis. But she to would bring it, a, go on. Sorry, I was, I was just going to end that off with she would put a cigarette out on you. Yes, she would. <laughs> I have heard of such things happening, um, and that's one of the tame things I heard of happening. Read one of our daughter's books. Yeah, um, but that brings me to the 2019 quick. It's not an honourable mention because they don't deserve any honour at all. Mm. The 2019 version was done by my personal favourite horror um, picture house. Oh, God, it's Blumhouse. Mr. Jason Blum. It was Blumhouse. So <laughs> um, Dan told us not to watch it. And my anger is just based off her anger. I have not, <laughs> um, not actually seen the movie. I'm just angry for her. But the minute I saw Blumhouse, I went, oh, that's why. <laughs> It's basically, I put a post out on the page to gauge whether it was just Mm. me and my personal rage over this film. (laughs) And the majority of the people say uh, it was terrible. But then someone did say it was an okay film, but it shouldn't have been called Black Christmas, which I completely agree with. It shouldn't be called Black Christmas or be linked to 
these two movies because it has fuck all to do with these two movies. There's no Billy. There's oh. no Agnes. There's no uh, guy who lives in the house that's sleep- secretly killing them all off. It's about a girl that had um, an incident of grape and then um, the guy that was there was in another sorority and then this sorority house of men were slowly killing the women off and then when they got there, it was Carrie Elwes from fucking Saw and the Princess Bride was the head of the 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 cult and he had a bust and the bust was full of black ooze that he was feeding all the people and uh, the reason why the bust was in there was because the women didn't like the bust and because it was a patriarchal um suppressing the women and then um so he took it and then he made all the men masculine again and and like they killed all the women and then the women came out and they were killing men with like garden implements and i was just sat there and i was just like (laughs) (laughs) anyone for our audio listeners now dan's head is a Officially exploded. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? Let's be honest. I mean, but the thing is, Jason Blum, people will still watch it. It doesn't yeah. matter because it took it, it. It had a budget of five million, right? Five million for that absolute tosh I've just told you, and it made eighteen and a half million in twenty nineteen. Why? I would like to say it was, you know, it was the pandemic. We had nothing to do. But this was before it. It was um, before. It's it's Blumhouse. Oh, it's Blumhouse. Oh, and you know that this, you've got a bit younger, younger generation of horror fans only know Blumhouse. Oh. There's people out there who only know Blumhouse. Um, you did not just describe Black Christmas to me. That almost sounded like Sorority Raw mixed up with them. Um, Prom Night and a bit of Prom something Night. else. A bit of yeah. Something. It is literally... yeah, that did not sound like um, like Black Christmas at all. Black Christmas is almost very mysterious. It's like I said at the beginning, it's psychological. Yeah. There is a lot of psychological parts being played in that, <laughs> unbeknownst to the girls, is actually going on because they don't get it. Mm-mm. All they're hearing is some fucked up voices on a phone. Well, they're not really, but they're hearing fucked up voices on yeah. a phone. And they're not piecing together what is actually being played out in front of them, which is somebody having the worst fucking mental health day and taking it out on these girls. Yeah. And, oh, and the house mother. Come on. Also, fucking terrible police work. So. Oh, God. Olivia Hussey goes through um finally does she come fit? This is where I kind of fell asleep and woke back up again, is just at this point. Did she come face to face with Billy? Uh Billy came face to face with her and then it was left with the phone ringing. So you were left to make your own wound up as to how you presume the end yeah. finished. Now if we're looking at it from the point of view that Billy, after every kill, Billy rang the house, then I would say, yes, he killed her because he rang the, the house straight afterwards. But then we don't know that was Billy that rang. It could have been anyone. Yeah. So whether she died or not, you will never know. So the there's just been a huge killing. Yep. Boyfriend's dead. But the dawned find the other bodies 
but there has been a killing. There's been an incident. And what do they do? They leave a sleeping girl in a room by herself. <laughs> the competency. They just leave her there. Yeah, they do. They just leave her there. Yeah. Why? <laughs> I don't know if you know this. You might do. But in 1978, it was due to be screened on NBC on the telly uh, yeah. in America. And um, the week before it was due to go out, there was a spree of sorority killings. Um, and they were really bad, really bad people, you know, being brutally murdered. So they were like, right, we're not going to touch this with a barge pole at the minute. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we'll, we'll do it later. And uh, it turned out to be Ted Bundy. Oh. So, yeah, it didn't get shown on NBC on its original That's showing date right. in 1978 because the week before Ted Bundy decided to go on a killing spree and kill all I... the sorority girls. It so, is, for all it's based on urban legend, there is some kind of truth in the story. It is based on an actual serial killer. Yes, it is. Um, I didn't read too much into it because I actually like the urban legend aspect of it. And that was all I was like, I was like, oh, we'll just keep it at that. Um, but Billy is not found. Yeah. Billy is left at large. Mm-hmm. And then poor people in his in his little home that is his loft. I say poor people. There's only two of them in there. The house mother and the rocking chair, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because one of them they find in the park, don't they? Isn't that Margot? Yeah, they. I know they find one of them in the park. The most erotic um, murder scene I have ever seen. Um, Margot's (laughs) unicorn horn. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, "Where's that going? Like, what? What's at the end of that unicorn's head? Yeah. Um, why is there a spike on it? Anyway, <laughs> um, in a bedroom, you know, it's just like- I know. Margot's character is very um, she's she's an angry person. Don't know what she's angry about, but she's an angry person. She's a bit of a drunk, and she ends up pass. She ends up fucking off the search party to go to sleep because she's hammered, and ends up getting killed mm-hmm. and it's all drowned out by the worst christmas no actually it wasn't too bad um fucking christmas carol christmas carolers with olivia hussey just standing staring at them all this shit going on and she's like i'm gonna take a moment i'm gonna just, <sighs> fuck off just all oh, the christmas all oh, the christmas while i mate is being murdered upstairs <laughs> and Margo, you know i don't know if this was a choice because she was that the character was drunk, but she did not give off the greatest screams that ever, ever lit. It was more of a a mourn. It was almost like she was enjoying it. <laughs> it was incredibly erotic. Yes, it, it, I, so, yes, I see where you're going with that. I hadn't really thought about it. I was always one of those people that just watched it and like didn't really. She groans. See she the scream. Um, yeah, there is a level, I suppose, of eroticism there, isn't there? There's the phallic symbol of how she died. Yeah. Uh, they uh, they also allude to the fact that she may be bisexual because she's reading, if I'm right, at one point, the centrefold, well, not reading, but she's looking at the centrefold of a playboy, which is always a woman. Yeah. Um, and they were alluding to the fact that she also likes men. They were talking about it, and she was quite open and promiscuous. So I suppose that's what they were doing. They were 
yeah, it, there was a whole phallic killing of her and then her moaning. So, yeah, that all makes perfect sense now you said that. I, I just didn't think about it too much. So. I was probably thinking about it too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Margot Kidder. So, I mean. Oh, I ended up going down. Don't I, do that. Don't ended do up that going down. Yeah. And it made me really sad. Found in a bush, wasn't she, at one point? She was living in a in a bush in the Grand Central Park at one point. Yeah. Uh, Central Park. She um, was, um, and it, it, you know, it's such a misconception of what people think of her because they're like, oh, she was in obviously the fucking Family Guy episode did not help in the slightest, but she was bipolar. Mm-hmm. Probably, she actually did London Film and Comic Con, um, probably about a year, two years before she passed away, and I regret to this day not going and seeing her. I regret to this day. So, yeah. Well, she. Yeah, she she it was undi- it was like undiagnosed, and then it was kind of like right and wrong medication, mm-hmm. um, and but then she got she got a she got life together, she got shit together, and she was mm-hmm. doing these conventions, and the one that she was meant to have gone to when she was when she passed away had a memorial kind of so, remember like um full of a horror when Sid Haig died, yeah, and the lefty's table as it was and had like a book of condolences. Not gonna lie, fucking cried. Yeah, they did that for Sid and also for when I went to the defunct Walker Stalker, the, the, the Scott Green who played um, is it Scott oh, Green? Herschel. Yeah, Herschel. When he died, they had, a, had the same thing. They had a, a table set up, his banner and everything, and then the, the table, you signed the book on the table. So. Aww. It's nice I forgot about him it was it was lovely and they had a whole like video package for sid as well um because i did i felt like that was like his, his bill and his is convention mm-hmm. i've, like, I've the, met sid I, on a few occasions and he was a lovely bloke really nice man really nice man he, he had a massive conversation with rob about how he thought he was a snake whisperer sid was convinced he was a snake whisperer he could talk to snakes well like, like harry potter <laughs> Like a fucking Slytherin, yeah, he speaks parcel tongue. Um, yeah, he, there was this. He he was saying like, because at, at, at Horicon in Sheffield, you always have like, well, at one point you had um some snake guys there, and they had like creepy animals and stuff like that. They were all handled by the trainers, you know. But Sid went and played with the snakes, <laughs> and uh, he was having a conversation with Rob because Rob had some snakes at one point, and they, they were talking about snakes, and he was like, "Yeah, I can talk to snakes." I talk to them, they understand what I'm saying, and, and we have this relationship. And I was just like, oh, you, you man, you old man. I was very excited. Um, I am a Rob Zombie fan, and I loved um, Devil's Rejects is an amazing film, probably up there for me. It's brilliant. House of a Thousand Corpses, first half is excellent. Second half, oh, you fucker. What was he taking? <laughs> um, but when Three from Hell was coming out, I was like, oh, I... I understand that face now, but at the time when it was coming, when it was like the lead up to it, and oh my god, we're getting another like oh, five hundred family. That's amazing. Um, and then I saw it. When did I watch it? After my wedding, I watched it because my <laughs> my husband was in hospital the day after our wedding, and while he was recovering, I sat and watched um, Three from Hell and cried my eyes out. I can't believe he put him on that screen. He looked so poorly. Yeah, no, we saw him 2018. At, uh, I've met him in 2016, 2017 at Sheffield Horicon. And I said to him, oh, can we uh, can we 
stick our fingers up at the camera. He was like, I tell you what, he said, I'll point at you and you go like that. And it looks like we're saying, fuck you. I was like, all right, then, Sid, we'll do that. So, and he was absolutely lovely. He was the Sid that you know. Yeah. But by the time we met him in 2018, he was doing a costume photo shoot, him and Bill. Um, he was Captain Spaulding and Bill was uh, Otis, but um, Thousand Corpses Otis. Oh, so the, the the bad orders. Yeah, the long hair with the, and he yeah. had the, yeah. Mm. And um, we were in that photo and I, as soon as I walked in there, I took one look at Sid and I was like, he's not well. He'd lost about three or four stone. He didn't look like, he just looked like his skin was was hanging off him. Was like hanging. He, he wasn't there anymore. Like No. And 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 it was so sad to see. And I come away from that, and I said to Rob, "Oh, that fuck it, that that literally that really broke me. That did, you know? And you're like, Woof. yeah. It was um, it was a hard one to swallow. Watching three from hell, and I just I, I remember crying and going, he should never put him in that fucking film. It it wasn't worth it. It wasn't. It, he was so poorly. But once again, we've gone off on a fucking <laughs> tangent. If anyone, if, I just want to clear something up. I. Don't normally have my phone on us when I record this, but my husband has just texted me to ask where the random penguin has come from in the kitchen. <laughs> and I went, <laughs> so that's why I've had my head down texting because I had to explain to him where this random penguin biscuit <laughs> has come from. Are we talking like the old ones that used to have in your lunchbox as a school at uh, school, <laughs> that kind of penguin? Yeah. Yeah. I've come home from I've come home from work with it. <laughs> And he's like, why? And I had to, I couldn't just say it because I had to explain that it's because we have a kitchen, we have a lot of kitchens and we have one right next to us. And every morning the lady comes with a big bag of biscuits and everyone just fucking swoops in and my whole team just grab what they can. And I said, oh, I'll take that penguin for me biscuit for me dinner later. And I didn't have it. And it was left in my bag and I brought it home. And that's the story. And I've just had to explain it. For him to then text me back and went, I've ate it. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm very sorry that I may have looked a bit distracted. And I I really was trying not to laugh while explaining to my husband where this random penguin biscuit has come from. (laughs) Tangent, what do you buy, Ant? (laughs) brought to you by penguin biscuits (laughs) so the 2006 one now i watched this while i was at work so i watched the (laughs) i watched the the first one before i started and i was like you know what i'm in i'm in it let's just do it um so i had it on while i was at work so there was bits and pieces i have not being able to i am actually going to watch this again with anth because i know this is visually this is like kind of his horror and it's such a a time of horror that i love the aesthetic of it yeah there's something about the 2006 one it's the story in effect is the same as the story of the 20 uh, of the 1974 one however like we said they elaborate on Billy's backstory more so yeah. you have a bit more idea about what's going on so it's not so mysterious mysterious plus plus you also get to see the kills which is something you didn't in the first one because yeah. the director of this one was if i want to say Glenn Morgan yeah, uh, I want to say it was Glenn Morgan. He was actually responsible for Final Destination 3, hence why you have two of the main characters f- 
from Final Destination 3. You have Mary Elizabeth Winstead, a.k.a. Mrs. McGregor. Um, And you have um, Crystal Lowe, who played one of the Ashleys that died in the sun booths. Yes. Now, she plays Margot Kidder's character Mm -hmm. in the 2006 version. So. I thought the best way for me not to confuse my tiny brain was to not associate them with what I had just seen. Yeah. Do you know what? I've just missed the perfect segue earlier when we were talking about, I'm sorry to backtrack a second, but talking about Gilda Radner to Steve Martin would have been a perfect segue of one of me facts. <laughs> this, this is Black Christmas is Steve Martin's favourite film of all time. Yeah. There's quite and a few when, people. And when Olivia Hussey said, I... I'm doing I I was in it when they met he went I watch it constantly it's also it was also Elvis's favorite horror movie however when it came out when he died he only would have gotten two Christmases to watch it yeah but he made a point that it was going to be the tradition yeah to this day his family still kept that tradition on and he only probably saw he only probably saw it twice it's crazy isn't it 77 he died i think 77 he died so by the time it came out yeah so he might not have made that third christmas so yeah fucking hell yeah but it 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 left an impression to where that is what they watched every christmas how crazy is that it it really is but i also love the fact that the casting was people of the time so if you look at the casting you've got like I said, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, she was just coming off the back of Final Destination 3. You had Michelle Trachtenberg, um, a.k.a. Dawn from Buffy. Who did not annoy the shit out of me in this, I've got to add. <laughs> I didn't like her in Buffy. She annoyed me Mm-mm. massively. Did not understand the need for her character Mm-mm. or any of it, but hey-ho. That's what know. we got. Um, also, Lacey Schubert, Um Yes. Now, Lacey. she's a controversial person because... She uh, was obviously in Lost in Space with um, Matthew, not Matthew, um, Matt LeBlanc. Matt LeBlanc. And she was also uh, Party of Five. That's where I knew Lacey from, Party of Five. She was the annoying little kid. She um, was the original Meg. And she was the original Meg, yeah. For season <laughs> one of Family Guy, she was Meg's voice. Um, yes. So, And obviously, you have missed out the most fucking iconic character. Mean Girls. Mean Girls. Yeah, I knew you were coming um, to that. <laughs> Um, uh, Amanda Sedgefield was offered one of the parts, can't remember which one, and the director went, absolutely not. I want Lacey and I don't want another Mean Girls actress yeah. on set. Yeah. I don't too... want the I don't want them to cross. Yeah, it'd be too cl- it, yeah, it would bring you back too much to that, wouldn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. And that and Lacey is almost kind of unrecognizable. Not in face, obviously. Voice? It's it's deeper, isn't it? Yes, very natural. Yeah. Very, it's. I kind of was taken aback and was like, "Oh, oh, you can do that." <laughs> Not that I'm saying Lacey's voice is like annoying yeah. anyway. I think I, I think she's class. I like her. I really do like. Her. I love. Her, I love fucking Gretchen Wiener. Man, Mean Girls <laughs> is such a great film. Um, but yeah, the um, you had um, oh my god, what's her name? She's in. She's in the DC ship, man. What's she called? Cassidy. Katie Cassidy. Are you talking about Mary Elizabeth Winstead? No. I'm talking about Katie oh, Cassidy. Oh, the, 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 the blonde girl that, that, that is the final girl in theory. 
Yeah, Kim yeah. Cassidy. I'm saying yeah. that right, aren't I? I think so. I just don't really know her from anything else. So she is. She is. Um. Well, she's David Cassidy's daughter. Um. Black Christmas 2006. Hang on. Um. There is a lot of posters for it. There's a lot yeah. of posters for that. Right. Okay. Sorry. Um, yes, Katie Cassidy. She was in the um CW's Arrow. Oh, the yeah. Flash. Legends of Tomorrow. She All played, the ones I don't watch. Yes. <laughs> she played um Black she's Canary? A, yes, she's Ruby in Supernatural. How did I get the Black Canary from that freaking yeah. hell? She's and I've Laura never Lance. even seen it. Black there Canary. we go. But she's also Ruby. I don't know if she's the original. I haven't seen any Supernatural past season, the episode where they do the class uh, and they're doing the musical. Yeah, of... you would have seen you would have seen um, so, Katie yeah. Cassidy in it. Um, very, very, very pretty girl. Um, who else is it? Olivia Oliver Hudson. Oliver Hudson's in it. Yeah. Um, Peter, I think it's Peter he plays. Is it Peter? Yeah, he's an asshole. Yeah, yeah he's he, an so asshole too. They remove that whole thing, don't they? Uh, yeah. There's no abortion oh, storyline. There's no there. Schmashmosen story in this one. No. It's just get the fuck out. I don't want to see you anymore. Yeah, you've been cheating on me with my sorority yeah. mate. Get out. Fuck yeah. out. Again, strong women without having the point thrown down your face like, was so strong that just in their behavior and their actions it portrays strength yeah um i probably saw more of the kills than i saw anything else because obviously that dragged my attention to the telly yeah. um one character in particular who makes a return from this 1974 one all the way to 2006 it is the greatest aunt of all time um, can't think of her name off the top of my head. No, I don't know it off the top of my head. I oh, Andrea have... Martin. That's it. Andrea Martin, who played... She is beautiful, by the way. Mm-hmm. She was... In 1974, you can see... You can see the look of her, of um, how she is in Big Fat Greek Wedding. Mm-hmm. But who did she play in Big Fat Greek Wedding again? It was Aunt Una? Vula, that's it. And Vula, that's her name. And she makes a lovely return as the house mother in this one. However, they did not want Aunt Vula to be the house mother. Who did they originally want? Margot Kiddo. Mm -hmm. They wanted Margot Kiddo to come and return to the franchise in per se, and she didn't. No, she wasn't in the best of places at that point, I don't think, in 2006. They thought they could save her. Mm-hmm. And and not that... I don't want to use the word... I shouldn't use the word save because I don't know where she was in her life in order to know if she needed saving or not, but I think they wanted to help. Yeah, it was... Um, dark times were all involved, I think. I think it was a coming out of a place of genuine concern... Mm-hmm. but with no real understanding of what it was she had. Um, I, don't, I, I don't think until the last few years that bipolar has been more explored 
because when she, when she was probably that's why a lot of people would misdiagnosed her being one of them and put on medication that you bipolar is a it's an awful thing when your brain is just not balanced properly and there is some top notch medication that can balance that brain out and make you a completely functioning person but when she went into hypos mm-hmm. she went into hypos yeah and unfortunately as a figure person them hypos were and they were used as comedy, and it really fucking makes me sad. Yeah, they um, her meltdowns were always rather public, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I was saying about the the thing in the bush. That that was the one that was reported the most. How mm-hmm. um, they found her in a bush, and she said she was living in Grand uh, in in Central Park, in, uh, and that was where she was living at the time. And they found her, and they mm-hmm. were like, "I remember this massive story, this massive piece, saying how what what a." F- fall from grace or something like that it was oh. it was it was a really horrible hollywood expose of margot kidder then and now kind of thing yeah. and like she was i hate to say it but the way she was she was hung out to dry about the way she looked um obviously she would put on weight from how people knew her mm-hmm. she um was unkempt she hadn't brushed her hair she was living in a fucking bush i mean what do yeah. they think she was gonna look like come oh, out uh-huh. uh, all like timothy lady you know it's... that's the second time timothy has been brought into my uh, life today <laughs> i saw an old picture from the 70s of a timothy bottle and i went to timothy don't make it come on <laughs> i knew i knew that's what it was it's like um, <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's just hollywood hack job on her and that sent her off the deep end and obviously the money from that got her back on her feet, but ultimately, was it worth it? You know. Yeah, but that was the original casting they wanted her in. They they went with in the end, um, and Vula, and she did. She just looks fucking beautiful. Her death scene was amazing <laughs> and so fucking yes. funny that they go. The women are looking out the window, going, "Why haven't they left?" You can clearly see there's a big patch of red. Right in front of the car, blood <laughs> yes. splatter everywhere, and you're questioning why no one's left. Hmm. So yes, in this one we do get to see more of Billy, and we get to learn more of Billy. Now, did Billy have jaundice? Yes. And is that the reason his mum didn't want him? Well, he was a bastard child to her. He was like a. Uh a thorn around her neck he was just he was too needy he was ill all the time he was a sickly child um she wasn't with his father anymore she wasn't really his father had gone off and left them um so she just despised him basically well what a way to fucking stand by your sick child um and then she had a child with a new husband which was agnes mm-hmm. uh well so you think that's what's happened. Yeah. But it turns out that Billy is the father of his sister. Hang on, I'm yes. say that again. Billy is the father of his sister. Because oh. the mother used to abuse Billy. Oh my god. I and this totally all this is that. actually yeah, this is this is actually played out. Um and uh it. yeah, it, it's pretty sick. Um, they have Agnes, but she says obviously it's it's the stepdad's baby, not not Billy's. Billy knows it's his, um, but snaps, kills his mother, uh, and then cooks and eats her skin with a Christmas cookie cutter. 
puts it all on the baking tray and uh, eats it when it comes out of the oven. So, yeah, that's that's setting up for Billy as Billy is. So, Billy Merry says, Christmas! <laughs> yeah. So then it cuts, I think, to a mental facility. I hate mm. using that term, but I don't know what else to call it. Um, Institute. I don't know if that's the right word either. No, I don't even know if psychiatric care unit is even allowed to be used, you know. But it's a hospital. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it cuts to a hospital. um, And every, like, the the guy, the orderly's handing out food. And um, the thing with Billy is you have to treat every day as Christmas for Billy. (laughs) So when they open the flat, the Christmas lights are on. He gets Mm -hmm. his little meal put through the flat. Um, and then he proceeds to kill the uh, orderly with a candy cane that he sharpened into a very sharp point. Um, you got to give him it. You've got to give him it for like execution style mind. Sharpening a candy cane. That's genius use. <laughs> also, I'd want to murder the person who put me through Christmas Day every day. We had this conversation last week about the whole Groundhog Day. That that literally is Billy's life. Yeah. So I want to murder the person who did it. And then Billy escapes. So yes. Billy then goes back home. Now, knowing everything you know about Billy, you have a, a like a, 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 quite a sense of um, empathy, but in you a know, certain... not quite. It's, it's, it's a weird sort of... I had more empathy in the first one. Right. Because of the, if you're listening carefully to what he's saying, it's fucking trauma spilled down the phone. In this one, I just, I connected more with that Billy than I did with this one. But saying that, I I was in that. I I I want to watch this one again. Um, Like I said, it was on in the background. So it's not my full 100% attention that I give the first one. But I felt more... Because I didn't know so much about him and it's all playing out on the telephone calls, yeah. that's where I kind of, but I didn't, I don't mind how they, they give us more with Billy in this one because I feel like a character who from is being left alone in 1974 deserves a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, that's a good thing about it. I think it was like 74 to 2006, so you're talking about 32 years between the two films. So I think... It wasn't so much for me a remake that it was a retelling or an elaboration, yeah. maybe. Elaboration. It, it wasn't a it didn't it, it didn't feel like a Rob Zombie my take on Halloween. Yes. It didn't feel like that. It just felt like it'd give you a little bit of more essence when it comes to yeah. Billy's life because there's not a there's not a great deal to hold on to apart from what you can hear happening. Played out by Billy, by one person alone. And the same thing, um, it turns out as well that Billy is, um, I want to say schizophrenic because he also plays his sister. Uh, So he flits between being Billy and Agnes in this Mm -hmm. movie. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, you, you, the kills are pretty much the same. Pretty pretty much the same kills, but you see the kills. You see the eyeballs, you see Um... the... You know, you see a bit more blood. Vula's kill is... Slightly different, yeah. Ever so slightly different, given Mm -hmm. that she has a spike put through her head. (laughs) There's that. 
but they allude to the fact that the original house mother had a pulley <laughs> that swung and hooked into her chin and pulled her up, didn't it? So yep, that's of- what really made me uncomfortable. That's what really makes me uncomfortable about that closing scene of the original one when you are panning through and she's still sitting there with her neck held up high because it's been grabbed hold um, <laughs> sorry, that is going to stay with me for a really long time. It's more to do with the when you finally get to. So you've pan past the house mother and you're coming forward and then you've got, I want to say Claire. You might be right. It might be Claire. I want to say it might be. Well, you see us sitting yeah. in the rocking chair and then you look at the fucking poster for the movie where you see the house, you see the Christmas decorations, you see the window at the top with the light shining through and the silhouette of a fucking rocking chair. Yep. I went cold, Dan. I went very cold. Because I've never understood what that all fucking meant until the very end. Yeah. it's Because I generally thought she was going to be fucking found. Like, why would you not go and Why would you not go and look at the whole house? Because that's too easy. They're, they're fucking... incredibly incompetent policemen. So... Oh, absolutely horrific. Um, but anyway, 2006 one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one thing I love about it as well, uh, which isn't done enough, in my opinion, these days, is that when they shot the trailer, they shot scenes that never featured in the film. Mm. So the entire trailer was made of a, a totally original set of scenes. Um, yeah. So it didn't technically give away the plot, even though you may have seen the 79, uh, 74 one, but um, it didn't give away anything. It was very, like, <laughs> you watch a trailer these days and you see the entire movie in the trailer before you go and watch it. So you think, what's the bloody well point? I- I'm not spending my money, you know. Marvel are a bugger for it. DC are a bugger for it. Yeah. We're going to show you the entire film. I don't want to see it. I don't. No. I, I want to watch the film as a film there is there was it was very tactically done back in mm. the early 90s where they would put scenes in to trailers that were never going to be shown yeah and people would be furious but it was the whole trailer yeah the whole trailer in its entirety so i thought that was pretty clever but glenn morgan didn't like that the guy that directed it um he thought that they were shooting these things to put into the film and they never used them and he he was really annoyed. He, he denounces the film now as one of oh, his, the 2006 ones. Bells, bells. Um, he he put together one beautiful cast, though. Them women are beautiful. And this movie is dedicated to every single woman in the industry who did their own stunt doubles because every single woman in this movie did their own stunts. Yep. Yep, they did. And... and the other thing this film was known as in Japan, this was actually known as Final Destination in Japan, this film. I have literally just read that. <laughs> I mean, why? <laughs> it's just purely the Glenn Morgan connection, but I can't work out how they got Final Destination out of this because it's not part of that. It's not that fierce, jo- it's not that fierce killing, is it? It's, like, it's not, you know, death's coming, knocking for you. No, yeah. Billy is. But they based- an actual person. As you said earlier about like Billy being based on a serial killer, he was actually based on Ed Kemper. I was going to get to that because it did yeah. just flash into my brain. There was another one 
that I'd never heard of. And I was like, there's too many of you in there. So we'll just keep (laughs) you out. But Edmund Kemper, the co-head killer, co-head, co-head killer, um, he was... There's a lot. There was some inspiration taken from him, especially in this Billy. Um, yeah, in this Billy, more so than the first Billy. Yeah. Because, um, Glenn wanted to give him substance. He wanted you to empathise with him, and then he wanted you to despise him. Well, that's at the same. Time, and that's so. Edmund Kemper to mm-hmm. a fucking T. Because you've got the there's two sides of Kemper. There is the. First side and the second side. Ha <laughs> Two sides. The first side is the fact that he killed his mother and his grandmother. Mm-hmm. Mother was an incredibly abusive woman. Um, there you go. And to the point where he snapped. Yeah. Just snapped. And instead of... Oh, he, he was going to hand himself in. Mm-hmm. And instead of um, putting his grandmother through what was about to happen, he did grandma a favour and took her out. Um... I'm not laughing because I mean, I mean, Grandma probably would disagree, but that's what he did, and he went and served time for that. Yes, he did. Edmund got out because what people don't understand about Edmund Kemper is this man is a fucking genius, and Mm -hmm. I'm not talking sarcastically. This man is above fucking average intelligence. He is like the Sheldon Cooper, yeah, the criminal. Yes, he is incredibly intelligent. Um, I learned a lot on Kemper from I read John Douglas's book Mindhunter. Yeah. Um, holy shit! Does that man like to pat himself on the fucking back quite a few times? Oh, he's an arrogant fuck. He really oh, is. Oh, I had this team, this whole team, and we coined we coined the phrase serial killer, and this is a blah 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 blah. But well done, John. John, you did it. All you, John. <laughs> pat on the back. Um, but the best thing about John. Douglas is when he's talking about when he's not giving himself a big fucking round of applause he can really describe these men and women who he was associated with and the cases he was with and he does and I'm not saying he talks to you stupidly he's just breaking it down for you he is very good at that side of things and Edmund Kemper was a anomaly because this man was not only telling you everything like when you look at serial killer traits now we all know we you have this like the i don't kind of don't say this wrong this the psycho test where you can do the test to make to see if you have psycho tendencies i don't know if i'm using the right type of terminology i know what you mean i'm not entirely sure myself uh well me and anthony feel on one can't hurt animals can't hurt animals yeah, the same when, with me. When we've took when we've took the test, we've failed on one. No, I failed on two. Bedwetting and um. Oh, yeah, that would be me then. I don't bedwet, so bedwetting yeah. and the animal part. Oh, nearly there though. Um, Kemper was very, very adamant that when he got out, he would kill again, and he told oh, them. He told, told them hundred percent. He said, "If you let me out, I'll do it again." And he did he it didn't again. The, he didn't the first time round. Well, yeah. The first time round, he was all right to come out. He, I don't understand the change in uh, the change in direction, though. You can kind of understand his mother to a tenth degree that the that she broke him. Mm-hmm. She physically broke him. Um, but on the next one, these were women. Yeah. And he did some of the most fucking atrocious things. Um, he did wear one like a hat, didn't he? 
Yeah, people said that was his grandmother. I don't think it was. I think it was a do- yeah. he, he wasn't there. That's his brain mentality mm-hmm. wasn't there at that time. I think it was when he was the co-aid killer. Um, co-aid killer. Am I saying that right? It's an American term, so I'm really sorry if I'm saying it wrong. It might be co-ed, as in like um, co-ed. Yeah, like schools. Like, yeah, I just yeah. we wouldn't we wouldn't use that terminology for anything to do with schools. We yeah. had head boys, head girls. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he was he when he when he gets interviewed, he's just fucking happy to talk about himself. He will give you everything that he wanted. He made creating these profiles so fucking easy because he was happy enough to talk about it. The moment in Mindhunter on this um TV program, if he's ever watched it, where mm-hmm. he where he stands up and, and he he's goes giant and he says to John Douglas. Well, it's not John Douglas, but it's it is John Douglas who originally was sitting in front of him, and he goes, "I could get up right now and snap your neck and think nothing of it." Mm-hmm. And John Douglas, that close to pissing himself, and he just sat back down and went, "But I'm not gonna, cause I like you." Um, <laughs> Good job, mate. Good job. He really, really scared him. He's a very interesting character to um to to read about but he has said on multiple occasions you might as well just kill me because mm-hmm. i get out of here i'm going to do the same thing again but he's one of the rare anomalies like you said in the respect of that he was very open about he never hid the fact mm-hmm. like with with bundy he hid he tried to constantly say it wasn't him the narcissistic traits about being in the limelight like um, it was it was all the that sex. stuff it was yeah. the porn. It was the porn industry that did this to me. Have you ever watched them interviews? They're fucking hilarious. The, he the worst his, one, oh. the priest, where he's talking with the priest, plays into his hands. It's the one. It, it's the bite mark bullshit, right? Mm. Because they say the bite mark thing. This guy has. They get the. He's it, so difficult because they like this bite mark is what they got him on, wasn't it? In the end, yeah. with Bundy, um, and then it was proved. I want to say recently, but I don't know how recent, that bite mark um, analysis isn't actually a real thing. <laughs> I was just like, um, well, that man got killed uh, um, because you found him guilty over a bite mark. So there's that whole thing. But yeah, Bundy was a narcissist. He well, this, was... is why, this is why the death penalty shouldn't exist, because if there's <sighs> doubt in one, there's doubt in all. Um, that's just my personal opinion. And I, please don't come for us on it because it really is my personal opinion. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm in the middle of it all. I can understand why it exists. Mm-mm. I don't know if I support it or not um, because the chances are that you're wrong. There's always the chance that you're wrong. Yeah. Um, however, for people like... Bundy for people like Kemper for people like the son of Sam for people like Myra Hindley and um Ian Brady and just all those kind of people I kind of death isn't good enough for them though that's the thing I know it's an easy ending for them it's an e- it's an easy way out of so... their torture and it doesn't end it doesn't end the suffering of the whoever they they've hurt I was very much of I um I come from a father who was a prison officer and ah. um was a prison officer and he has been in some of um you worked in a 
a high profile prison for one reason and one reason only because of the main star that was there, which was Rose West. Um, but I was very much under the guise of the death penalty. Yes, totally agree. You fucking did it. You deserve it. However, however, West Memphis 3 completely changed my opinion on it because of Damien. If there is doubt, it's dangerous. It's used as a dangerous tool. And I obviously, if there is doubt on one, there could be doubt on many. There is no need for this. And it's absolutely fucking heinous. Um, the the way that they do it. And I appreciate that they don't deserve, there's some people who don't deserve, especially when with the um, the out-of-date um, solution that they were using for the injections. And I totally appreciate that, you know, they don't deserve an, an ounce of anyone's pity, but what they do deserve is to be fucking punished. Mm-hmm. And that is not a, death is not a punishment. It is a fucking release. This is just my opinion. I'm very sorry to get very dark and deep on a, <laughs> yeah. uh, on a monster episode. No, I work near Whitemore, which was Nielsen. Um, Another one who loves to yeah. fucking talk and tell you everything. So Whitemore is a category A. Is that the highest one? Um, um, where... Yeah, my mum worked in um, Franklin. My so, mum worked in Franklin yeah. and my dad worked in Law Newton. Yeah, so Whitemore is like the uh, Nielsen's. Like you had loads. There was loads in there at one point. Um, and Nielsen would take photos with the with the guards. Um, we had a guy come work for us in the office as a uh, recruitment consultant, and he had a picture on his wall for donkeys, like a little Polaroid. And I never really looked at it. I just thought it was a photo of him and somebody I didn't really. And one day I looked at it, and it was Nielsen. He was an prison officer, and he had a, fo- a Polaroid taken of him and Nielsen in the prison. And I was like, oh, that's a choice. That is a very good choice. So my dad was a Law Newton and he was the officer who was in charge of Mrs. West and had many, many interactions with Rosie on a daily, daily basis. And when my dad left, the last thing she said to him was, would you like a photograph? Ugh. No. See, he went because it would have basically he could have retired on it. Yeah. If he sold it to the press. You could have retired on it because nobody has any fucking idea what she looks like. Dan, she could. My dad said she could walk out of that prison tomorrow, and nobody would be fucking none the wiser. Nobody would know what she looks like, and That's she. Oh, she was fucking. Oh, massively, she was a twat. Um, no, no time for that woman at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have a lot of prison stories, but the main <laughs> ones that I could tell you is what they ate, because that's all I asked my dad when he came home. What was for tea? <laughs> what was for tea? Did they get a Christmas dinner? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the hard-hitting questions. <laughs> uh, of course, yeah. Um, the, going back to the 2006 film. I mean, we had... should. <laughs> <laughs> um did you know that there was uh, the UK had a different kill than the American movie? I didn't. Yeah, um, the one where I want to say it was Michelle Trachtenberg's death. Um, in the UK version, um, her eye she got dragged down the hallway by her eyeballs, like, <laughs> and there was something to do with eyeballs. I can't remember off the top of my head, but eyeballs were involved. Um, in the American version, she gets her head gets impaled with an ice skate. Yes. 
so there's the two versions doing the rounds and the UK release was the eyeballs and the American release was escape to the head. So depending on which one you've seen, there is an alternative kill for her. She's That's... the only one that has an alternative kill in the I entire movie. I wonder why they made that choice. It was something to do with the studios because Glenn Morgan got really pissed because, forgive me, but Bob Weinstein got in got very involved with this movie because obviously the Weinsteins were a big thing um and they invested in this movie because i think miramax they own miramax at that point or they had something to do with oh, miramax just fucking uh, took no, over dimension, the world dimension oh so that's right dimension that's Hills. right because the <laughs> those reminds the scream when the dimension yeah. thing comes in yeah and i always associate that with scream that's yeah, what i that, think's coming on so because bob wanted something gory in it he wanted a um he said all the kills were fairly tame. He wanted a bad kill. And Glenn was like, no, I, I don't want that in the film. I, it doesn't, it didn't sit well in the first, you know, we don't need it in the second. Yeah. Um. So Glenn wasn't even aware that they'd gone, that Bob had gone ahead and had them sh- reshoot that scene um, and made it gorier, made it worse, which is the UK release. He wow, was just that? quite happy with the uh, ice skate to the head, but the the version of that kill was filmed by Bob and he didn't tell Glenn. The only reason Glenn found out was because he was on a phone call with Mary Elizabeth Winstead and she told him about the reshoot. And that's why now he denounces anything to do with this film because he said it was taken out of his hands and Bob pissed on it. That was a direct quote. Bob pissed Bob on my movie. Pissed. Bob pissed on it. That'll be the tagline for this podcast. Black Christmas. Bob pissed on it. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing about the 2006 version for me is the ending. I fucking hate the ending. Why would Billy leave the house and come back to a hospital after everything he's been through at the other hospital? That was the only, only fucking bone of contention I had with that 2006 version. Hated the ending. Well... (laughs) You got the the 2019 one. (laughs) Well, that was worse. I mean, <laughs> exactly. If you if you weighing it up, I don't know why you would go back to a. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to where he's the efforts to get out to what he has just accomplished. They take away the side that we think is fucking heinous and terrible, mm-hmm. but to him, he has made an accomplishment, and then to go and put himself back in hospital. Mm-hmm. No, I don't get it. I don't get it either. But I think he's Agnes at that point. I'm not really sure. It, it progresses and it flits so much during that one. Well, see, Agnes then I like that then. So. If it was Agnes, then I do like that because then it's a, oh, but then you're going to, then it needs exploring even more. And that's what you, th- uh, that's where I thought it was going to go with the 2019 one. I thought, right, we're going to get a bit more on what happened to Agnes and how Agnes came to be because we know that Agnes was a real baby, mm-hmm. but I can't remember if Agnes died or Billy killed her or um, I can't remember what actually happened to Agnes, but he seemed to have absorbed the character of Agnes into himself. <laughs> so it became absorbed. another one of his personalities. Yeah. Don't really know oh, how to, to explain. It was a that. good way of describing it. It's just... <laughs> Very graphic, I yes. know. But yeah, um, so I would have liked to have known a bit more about that, but then I yeah. might have completely forgotten and they might have explained it in the 
2006 one at the beginning. I, I can't really I t- remember. I, I generally can't remember. I, like I say, I, it was on in the background, um, but it is something that I want to revisit because for what I did see, I didn't hear it. I love the kills. I love the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Then women were absolutely fucking beautiful. Um, again, it didn't, it, it showed the strength of the women from the first one into this one. It wasn't much difference. Um, yeah, I want to watch it again. I do want to watch it. But are we done on Black Christmas? I would say so. Oh my God. Yeah. We've come to an end of 2023. I'm very fucking tired. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone delusional. <laughs> I tried, honestly, I tried to be festive. I showed Sammy before we came on, but he weren't having it. Don't Dwight, Dwight, I was, I was putting Dwight. up my Christmas, my one Christmas decoration. I was putting him up. You wouldn't stand. Dwight weren't having it. Sorry. No. Festive Dwight was not not have, I've literally just watched a Christmas office Christmas special, and <laughs> um, before we came on, it was the. Uh, it was the one where Phyllis is Santa Claus and Michael is an arsehole. <laughs> in the best way. In the in the Michael Scott way. But yeah. I can I can now finally watch Scott's Tots without wanting to rip my eyeballs out. Um because if you're an office fan, you know. Yeah. You know. Um, but I can finally do it without wanting to rip my face off and take my eyeballs out at the same time and not be able to hear or see it um i'm getting past i am getting past that but yeah i watched the christmas one it, it was our talk last week of um obviously todd packer and we had a lot of talk on dwight and i was like i'm gonna watch the office again yeah and my husband went i'm putting always sunny on so have that yeah yeah we've got we've been watching two of dan's tattoos yeah two of my tattoos yeah i'm moving and on just- to I'm going to rewatch Parks and Rec when I finished Always Sunny, but I'm, I'm, I'm episode three or four of season sixteen, so I'm at that point now where I'm almost up to date. It's taken, I want to say, four months for me to watch every episode. Not bad. Not I don't bad. watch them like every day religiously. I've been watching like one in the mornings when I get ready for yeah. work, and then maybe one when I feel like it. So it's. But some so of you, them have been tough. Some of them have oh, been so tough. The I think Oof. the last season is some of the cleverest writing that they've done. Um, the first episode of season six of you sixteen. Have you seen of that with the with the nuts? Yeah, I saw the the nuts one, oh. and I've seen the curse one, and it, with Danny's wife Rhea Perlman's in it. And um, the, how brilliantly written is the wait until I mean the last episode is fucking just genius levels right. for them, but it's on it. That that was what I meant by good writing is the cursed one. It was bloody. It, it it's Caitlin Olsen <laughs> with, the, with the bell's palsy, and I was like, "How the fuck have they done that?" That's I said that to I was like, "I'm like, I was like, is that her face?" <laughs> I'm like, they've they've done something. They must have because I was looking, and it doesn't look like prosthetics. No. So it's I was so like, good. "Have they? How did they? You know, when you're like, I can't, that's." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to your fester, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> don't I kill mean, a you... seagull. Yeah, don't eat. Or a monkey. And kick <laughs> it behind the kegs in the bar. Oh, God. I was surprised that Charlie didn't come up with bird law at some point, like, <laughs> with a seagull. Um, that has been our Black Christmas episode. And this yeah. is our farewell for now. 
farewell for now as we take our Christmas break. I mean, you'll <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. I'm here on a Sunday. No, yeah. am I. Yeah, I am here on a Sunday. I will be still doing my same spot every Sunday. <laughs> Doesn't change. Um, but Monsters will be taking a, a short hiatus. Yeah. Why we basically why we regroup, recoup, and get ready for a new year. Yes. To bring you guys some pretty awesome things. Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day and I was like, this has been like a beta test, hasn't it? Yeah, a 28 episode beta yeah. test. <laughs> We've been like fleshing it out, seeing what we like, seeing what we don't like. And the fact that we, every time that we kind of do something, we get a bit more inspired to where we're like, this is, it's kind of built. Yeah. You don't see it because we don't have these conversations with you, but we build it as we like talking like, well, yeah, because we have so much going on towards the end of the year. When it comes to the new year, this is where we can go. Yeah, because obviously October being spooky season, it's tough for mm. someone who likes to spend spooky season in another country who has endless amounts of Comic-Cons and Horror-Cons that month and, and just doesn't know how to say no and stop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this was perfect timing yes. for Dan to have a well-deserved break because she's just done her last convention of the year. Reboot. Reboot, Reboot time. exactly. And we can come back fresh and shiny with all new episodes, new way of doing things. New kinda. equipment. I won't be a potato anymore. Hopefully not. I won't be filming this on a potato. So I won't be sat here. I will be sat over there because I'm going to be moving everything. Yeah. Oh, we shall see. see. I'm never going to win in the backdrop on YouTube. (laughs) Audio people, you you should go and check it out at some point. Go and see Dan's backdrops. But I'm never going to win in that aspect. I can't. The woman oh, brought toilet roll. The woman brought toilet roll to the Invisible Man yeah. episode and still fucking won. <laughs> no, Graham won that one. To be fair, that's true. To be fair, Graham true. won that one. He actually wore the toilet roll. So that is true. Dan just had it behind it, but it was just genius. It was like, yep, yep, that's amazing. Nothing what? but toilet roll. He still wears the fez from the Mummy episode. So <laughs> I love it. Literally this. got it on there. So so thank you, everyone. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, thank you for all of the views, the likes, the subscribes, the support. It's been absolutely immense. It makes us kind of realize, yay, we're doing this. This is us. We're here. Woohoo. You like us. You, you like us. Like us. <laughs> oh my god, I, I miss my Sally Field moment. <laughs> um, thank you to everyone who joins us on a Monday night and has yes. continuously supported us. We really appreciate it. It just makes us want to elevate and evolve next year so i'm going to do a quick shout out to the people i can remember so please i completely apologize if i miss you off we're looking I'll fill at the gaps. lee chris amy beth um oh god um obviously paul pops in you're in i'm in sometimes um wolfman's nards pops in sometimes yes he uh, does um there's been a few people drop in who I don't know, but it's been yeah. nice seeing them. Um, but they are our regulars. I apologize. I feel like she said all the names there. Michael comes in, um, yeah, Captain Mike, Goodwill. Jake, um, the Velvet Snatchers come in from time to time. Um, 
I, I don't know any of our audio listeners personally. I know mm-hmm. that we have them because I see the figures. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts for yes. listening to us through your ears without seeing us. That is a very brave choice. Um, <laughs> thank you. Preferable to, in my case. Thank you but, to uh, Mike Kell who always has a lovely word to say about us, even if he doesn't agree with everything that we are seeing. (laughs) We love you. We appreciate it. Um, I don't know if there's anyone. Thank you to Paul for our amazing designs each and every week that we have. I, the one thing I said, because he says, you know, we can have a look, you know, of reshifting and doing all these new designs and that. And I went, don't you dare touch my fucking opening. I love it. I love it. I I don't want it. It's never going to change. Yeah, Nicole, never. I love our opening. Um, so a yes, little, thank you to Paul. Yeah, yes. and another little shout out to the people we've had feature on the on the pod. Yes. So we've had Creature from the Black Tattoo, Gareth, yep. uh, on the Predator episode. We've had Peaches and Scream on the Chucky and Tiffany episode. We have Mike Kell on the Thing episode. We've had at the beginning couple of uh, a couple of um, shows. We had the Velvet Snatch. We've had Jake on the Godzilla episode. Yep. Uh, so if you fun. go back to the early ones, there's more than just me and Sammy. There's about 25 yes. of us per episode. <laughs> there is Jess as well. And Jess, yeah. She has been in a few of the episodes that we did in the early days. The cosplayer um, extraordinaire that is oh, Jess. Um, beautiful. Um, I can't think. Who else did we have? I'm trying to think of who else we've had on, but I do apologise if I've missed you off and I haven't. We've had Paul, who's been yes. on probably one of our most successful episodes, which is our Pennywise one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Actually, I think that might be all that maybe passed. Pet Cemetery might have passed that one now, which is funny because it's another Stephen King one too. Um, you love your Stephen King's disease. If we have missed out anyone, it is not intentional. It is mm. half ten on a Thursday night, and <laughs> we have both been to work all day. Yes. So it is never intentional, but we do absolutely love all of the support that we're getting. This episode is available on Monday at seven o'clock. You know that you are watching it, um, right. but it will be available for all audio listeners on Tuesday, and we will be back on the eighth of january yes the 8th of january sounds so far away but it won't be fuck no. over here before we know it <laughs> you blink and you miss it so oh hang on where are we <laughs> the 8th of january. who am i who are you so, where am i <laughs> so yes we will be back on the 8th of january obviously we're not telling you what we're doing because we don't fucking know ourselves um no. but once we do we will be on the lookout because there is some new things coming, new features coming for the monsters in early January. Maybe some merch along the way too. So we it's getting exciting, work. guys. It's yeah. getting exciting. So please remember to like, share, and subscribe. You can find Nerdy Up North on any social media. We are literally everywhere. You can find Bleeding Marvelous on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Please to fuck go and check out Dan's shop. It is unreal. Oh, you can't see, but my tin is actually up there. <laughs> I can see it on the just, just on the cup. Oh, yeah. Right there. My tin. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. I'll find a better display for it. But for the moment, I was like, I can see see it there. Um, my Vincent Price mug is still not moved into this bedroom. I dasn't. The kittens <laughs> run around in here. I, I can't. I can't bring myself for that to be in here at the moment. But yes. Thank you again. I can't say thank you enough because it's been an absolute blast. It really has. It is. I have like had such an idea for this and it's kind of like 
everything that it's kind of working. It's like working its way there. And I've loved every fucking second of it. It's been, I'm really sorry for the audio people who have to listen to my obnoxious laugh. It's awful. <laughs> not that bad. Jesus, honestly, I've heard worse. Oh, You're not terrible. snorting and snuffing and. Not yet. <laughs> so, have you got anything else to add or are we done? Uh, no, I'd say I think we are done, did. Just thank you very much for embracing this no- this little southerner into your northern world. Um, I mean, there was an episode where I was the odd one out. Yeah, it doesn't happen often. So Mm-mm. I take great, take great. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy those episodes. <laughs> I, I, maybe, to... I, I may be outnumbered a fair few times next year, but yeah. you will have to tune in to find out. Correct. So once again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And stay nerdy, everyone.